This podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at cyphercast.net and follow us on Twitter at cyphercast.net. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Dave. And we will be your guides along the path of suns. Today we sing one spell. With the gaze turns inwards to see real beauty, we talk about the maker's matrix. Join us on the path of suns and we may uncover a secret or two. When we cast the gaze turns inward to see real beauty, we discuss aspects of invisible sun characters. With this casting, we're going to dig into the maker's matrix and see how makers are going to go about making things. Uh, So um, we're having this discussion because I spent a whole bunch of time yesterday trying to figure out uh, exactly how makers go about making things because the maker in my party wants to make stuff, which is cool and exciting. Uh, So let's, I'm going to do a quick overview of uh, how makers can, like the restrictions that makers have on what they can make. Uh, And then we're going to just dig into the maker's matrix and see how that actually functions. So first order, uh, first degree makers, they're going to be able to make uh, objects and objects of power and ephemera of up to level four. Uh, And that cap is going to increase as they go up in power within the order of makers. Uh, Second degree gets to do up to level six. Third degree goes up to level seven. Fourth degree up to level eight. Fifth degree up to level nine. Until you finally become a sixth degree maker. At which point you can make any level item that you want to. And, you know, all you have to do is worry about uh, finding the material and ingredients. And making a whole bunch of checks in order to... Uh, potentially make a level 17 object if that's your ultimate goal. Um, so the, that's just a, a quick little uh, restriction that I wanted to put out there because uh, it is important to know that if you have a maker that wants to craft a, a certain item that has an effect level that is beyond their skill, the, their degree in the order of makers is going to uh, determine that. So the Maker's Matrix. Um, hey Scott, have you done any any stuff with the Maker's Matrix in the playtesting or at the table that you that you have? No, I, I reviewed it as part of reading the books, but none of my players have been makers, uh, so I haven't actually used the Matrix itself. Itself. Well, um, yeah, I haven't used it until just before this discussion, uh, and it was mostly to figure out like how is this going to work and how do I answer all of the makers' questions. Uh, so the, the Maker's Matrix, you can find a detailed description of all of this in The Way on pages 59 through 62, uh, and that is dedicated to the, the Maker's Magic. So the, the way this is going to work is you get this, this big old matrix, and I wanna, I'm going to just bring it up real quick. So I'm looking at it, and I can reference it easily. Uh, and the, the reason I'm, one of the reasons I wanted to go through this right now is I, I found the rules description and the matrix, like they line up, but it's a, it, it feels a little weird. And I wanted to make sure I understood each step of the process. 
Uh, so the first thing, the first thing that you're going to have to do uh, is the maker is going to have to decide what sort of item they want to create. Like, what is the effect that they're going for? And in practice, this feels a lot like uh, a weaver weaving a spell. There, the maker comes up with the spell effect or the the effect that they're going for. And then there's a negotiation that's going to happen here with the GM uh, where you consult the um, the effects by level table and you just you make a ruling on what you think a given spell effect is going to be. Uh, and that is like the first step that you're going to take to figure out like how powerful is this item that they're going to be creating. Uh, and as we know, if you're a first degree maker, you're not going to be able to make anything uh, that is too powerful. Uh, level four is your cap here. Uh, but this is going to get modified uh, by the type of item that you're going to be creating. Uh, so let's say, uh, let's say you want to make uh, an item that uh, will impact the emotional state of anybody who, who views it. You want to impart some emotion on them. You want them to be impressed with this. Um, if you consult the table, that's going to be around a level three effect, in my opinion. Uh, and that's one of the fun things about uh, the level by or effect by level is it, it's interpretive. Uh, and my interpretation is that that's around a level three effect. That's within the realm of a first degree maker's ability. So once we have that established, uh, we move on to the next step, which is determining uh, if you're making an object of power or if you're making an ephemera object. So the difference here would be an ephemera object is a one-use item, while an object of power is going to have a depletion level. Uh, so this, this table is in the way, and it will uh, it lists out the different uh, impacts that you know, this choice is going to make on the desired level of your object. So if you want to make an ephemera object, it's going to reduce the desired level by one. So that uh, example that we had where we said uh, imparting this emotion on, on viewers is level three. If it's an ephemera object, that brings it down to just a level two item. Uh, it can only be used once, but hey, now, now it's going to be easier for you to make. Uh, if you're going to be making an object of power, uh, the baseline is you're going to have a depletion level of ooh, zero to. Hold on a second. Let me grab my. Let me grab my book and double check. Um, I want to say zero to four is the baseline depletion level, and that basically means that your effect is going to wear off. Um, what is that? Fifty percent of the time. Yes, zero, one, two, three, and four. Yeah, fifty percent chance of that just uh, just wearing off. Um, yeah, zero to four or greater. Uh, so if you want to reduce that depletion level, like let's say you want to go to a zero to two uh, depletion level, then that's going to be plus one to your items level. Uh, so if we go back to our example of the emotion being imparted by the object, that would now be a level four if we want the depletion level to be zero to two. So the, the level modifier gets larger and larger the more you reduce that depletion. Uh, and you can ultimately create a constant object of power with no, no depletion, uh, which would give you a plus four on the desired level. 
it's so. worth uh, checking back in to remember that because uh, as a comparison to weaving, this might sound really expensive that you're you're building things with these high depletion rates. But these are objects that are repeated use. So mm-hmm. it's almost like you get that weaving, uh, the equivalent of having that particular weaving uh, all of the time until it depletes. Yes. So even with a 50% depletion rate, you might have it two or three uses. If you get down to a zero to one depletion rate, I don't know what the exact probability would be, yeah, but 10, it would be some. It would fail 10 to 20% of the time. Right. So uh, the probability when you have a like 50, 50 chance of having depleted would be around four or five um, uh, uses of it before it depletes. So you get a lot of use out of these items. The handicap really is that you have to declare it in advance, yes. whereas weavers are responding to exact circumstances of the time. So that's some of the trade off between uh, but also connection t- between uh, weavers and makers uh, and the systems that they engage for their spells. Yeah, there, there are a lot of similarities. Um, all right. So now that we've got the desired level, so let's say we're going to make an object of power with a depletion, uh, a depletion of zero to two. Uh, we're now at a desired level of four. Uh, so we can determine how long it's going to take to actually craft this thing. And this is easy. It's two days per item level. So in the case of this object, it's going to take eight days to put it together. Uh, you can hasten the crafting of this and you can reduce the amount of time it's going to take by... Uh, X number of days, but for each day you reduce the crafting by, it's going to increase every single challenge that you make uh, by one per day that you reduce it. Uh, and this this is where that downtime for the maker is going to be important. They need to have time in order to build this stuff uh, because while they're doing it, their sorcery pool is going to be depleted, and they also only have like a six hour window uh, between various steps of this process to. Uh, find more ingredients if they need them or find um, catalysts or stabilizers if they run into problems. So while they're making items, they're not really going to have the opportunity to go out and participate in a, in a active story. So this is part of the downtime that's important in Invisible Sun. All right, so... Now we can get into actually making this item. So it's gonna take eight days, it's gonna be level four. And the first thing that you need to do is uh, you need to use a material that is of the desired level of the item that you're going to be making. So if we wanna make a level four item, we need a level four material. And material is different than an ingredient because this material is just this one thing. So for our item, uh, let's say we're going to use uh, emerald as our level four material. Um, And we'll get into the cost breakdown of this later on. I'll just sum it all up later. All right. So you choose your item. It's or you choose your material. The level is equal to the desired item level. That's that's it. That's all for the material. one second. I'm looking at the maker's matrix and it says attempt a challenge. Oh yeah, this is how this works. Now you're going to attempt a challenge and you're going to be doing one challenge from level one to the ultimate desired level of the object that you're making. So now you're going to make a level one challenge. Uh, And with this challenge, you get to add your skills, any skills that are supporting your making ability. So let's say you're good at making jewelry. That might apply to uh, this item that you're making out of emerald. Um, 
So that would apply there. You can also spend intellect Benny in order to add to your venture for this. And this is another thing that I think we should talk about at some point. You get, you have four refreshes that you can use during, I'm not sure if you can use them during action mode, but this is away from the table. And I, I've been looking at these pool refreshes and I'm not sure if they would apply to this process because it feels weird to be able to have an intellect pool of one or two and still be able to apply an intellect Benny to every single check. If you're making like a level four to level eight item, I would think that your intellect pool would need to be able to support, you know, the work that you're doing, or at least force you to make choices instead of just being able to refresh it during the process. Right. Well, some of those refreshes are going to take a long period of time that for lower level items may run you into that two uh, days per level per item level barrier. Uh, but, the uh, but it is an open just, question. The refreshes are just, you have two action length refreshes, a 10 minute and an hour. Oh, and then the, the last overnight is it refreshes your refreshes. Yeah. Um, so you'd have those. Yeah. Even with those four, it gets you a lot of intellect. That's true. Yeah. So uh, I've ruled it at my table for the time being that you're not going to be able to use those refreshes while you're making this thing because uh, my interpretation is that it's um, it's a very involved process. And when you take a break, you don't really have time. You're not taking a break to relax and rest. You're you're taking a break in order to you know get something that you need and you don't have time to sit down and take a breather. That makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, and it just, the incentive it creates is uh, maybe your makers should invest in some intellect, which that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a good incentive. Because if you, if you have two intellect, then with your refreshes and the two intellect, you'd be able to spend a Bene for every step up to level eight. Uh, and that just, that just feels weird. Uh, sure. You're going to be able to unlock secrets that let you spend more Bene per challenge, but whatever. Um, Anyway, back on topic, uh, you make this challenge, uh, you can use skills, you can use your intellect Bene, and then you make a roll. And if you beat the challenge, then you get to add an ingredient. Um, you get to add an ingredient of the level of the challenge you just made. Then you continue on and do this again, increasing the challenge level until you reach the desired level of the item that you're making. So those challenges are going to get harder and harder. Uh, but once you, in our example, beat challenge level four and add your fourth level ingredient, then you have met the desired item level. And now you get to add your power source. So the power source here functions very much like the ingredient again. Um, you use a power source that is equal to the level of the uh, item that you're creating. And then you make another challenge. This time the challenge is going to be the level of the item plus one, or it's going to be level X plus one because X can get modified in some other ways that we'll find out later on. Uh, so if you succeed at this, you install the power, uh, power source and you've created your item and it's all done. And that now has taken us eight days of uh, development mode time. There are things that can go wrong. Um, 
If you fail at one of your challenges while adding ingredients, you have a couple of opportunities to try and recover the work that you've put into it. Uh, so the first time you fail at uh, one of your ingredient tests, you have the opportunity to add a catalyst. So a catalyst is another item that a maker can use in, in this process. Um, so you can add a catalyst, uh, which um, allows you to make a challenge uh, of level of the level that you were currently at plus one. Uh, if you are successful with this, you're going to add a minor side effect. And then you go in, you add the ingredient, and you increase X by one and continue doing the ingredient challenges. If you fail at adding the catalyst, then you have the opportunity to add a stabilizer. This functions very much like the catalyst in that you make the challenge at X, uh, the level of X plus one. Um, if you're successful, then you add a major side effect instead of a minor one. Uh, so the major and the minor side effects are just things that your item is going to do when you use it that you weren't intending it to. Um, and there's lists in the book of these side effects. Yeah. Yeah. There's lists of, uh, inspirations that you can use, uh, to Correct. get an idea of like, what is a minor side effect? What is a major one? Uh, now if you fail the stabilizer check, you're going to go, you're going to have a mishap. This is the end of the uh, crafting attempt or the, the crafting challenges. A mishap is something really bad. Uh, there are examples of this in the book as well. Um, but basically, whatever you're trying to make, it doesn't happen and something terrible happens uh, as a result instead. Uh, you can also encounter a mishap if you fail the power source challenge. If you fail that, you don't get a chance to try and recover anything. It just fails and you have a mishap. Now, you might run into a situation where you don't have uh, the skill that you need to uh, complete an item. So let's say you've uh, had a couple of failures during the ingredient challenges. Uh, that's going to increase the level by one uh, every time you do that. And you might you might have made too many mistakes that you're no longer able to complete this item. You can stop in the process uh, before you've finished it. Uh, and what happens then is you would create an item with a random effect of the level that you had reached. So let's say we had gotten to level three uh, for this item. Well, you're going to find some random effect that matches that level. And now you have this item that, hey, at least you got something. Uh, so that's kind of the overview of how all of this works. It's very confusing to try and talk through it. Does that make sense? It's a Scott? visual process. <laughs> it is a visual process. Uh, it does make sense. I think that it would make more sense if people kind of have the matrix open, but there's a reason why there's a whole matrix uh, handout in the mm -hmm. cube. Uh, it is something you need to have in front of you as you work through the process. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, now let's get down to, let's talk a little bit about how much this stuff costs. Because uh, uh, my maker is very interested in how much this is going to cost her out of pocket. Um, so the the ingredients, they, they start out at uh, a level one ingredient is going to be about 10 orbs or about a dollar. 
Uh, a level three ingredient is going to be about a, uh, a one crystal or about $10. Uh, materials, that is the one thing that you're going to use. Uh, a level one is 10 crystal orbs. Uh, level four is 75 crystal. Uh, level seven gets up to about 200 crystal. Um, power sources, uh, they vary a lot more than the other things. So a level one power source can be free. You could use good intentions and use that to power your item. Uh, but then you get into a level two power source and that's four crystal orbs. Level four is 15 crystal orbs. So the, you know, you're going to be spending a bit of cash, uh, in order to, uh, put these ingredients together. Um, so for the example that we had used, if I had purchased everything, uh, the emerald was 75 crystal, the level one item, let's say it was a dragonfly for its impressive structure. I could have found that for 10 orbs. Uh, then the level two item ingredient was gravel from the green sun for 50 orbs. Uh, then for level three, I got the favor of a renowned artist for one crystal. And then my level four ingredient was eyeballs from a giant gecko for five crystal. And then the power source, uh, which I pulled from a forgotten art installation was 15 crystal. So all told it was close to a hundred crystal in order to build a level four object of power with a depletion level of zero to two. And that's, uh, that's the cost part. There would still be the sequence of f at least four rounds of yes. going th through the matrix, yeah. uh, adding in your ingredients one at a time and making sure you're passing your tests. Yep. Uh, and that's a cost, uh, assuming that everything went well. Right. And I would say with the tests, uh, we, we talked about Bene and how we have to make, we, we, we have to rule on whether recovery uh, is an option for the pools uh, as the source of Bene's. Uh, I think something will be very influential in this process, uh, and, and I think intendedly so, are the skills of the maker. And, and you noted that you applied this a, a relevant making skill to these checks, whether yes. it's metal uh, metallurgy or whatever it may be. Uh, I think that makers are going to invest in those skills quite a bit because they will allow them to start higher on those die rolls. So if they've got four points of skills in uh, gunsmithing, when they're building a gun, they've basically rendered those first four levels to be automatic checks. They are going to be able to make extremely powerful guns. Yes. Uh, and we'll talk more about skills uh, in a future segment, maybe uh, very soon. Maybe. Um, but uh, that's, I think skills are going to play an important part of the process. I just want to uh, mention that. Yes. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, uh, I think some advice that I might have. Um, so for makers and GMs, I've got some, I've got some tips. I've got some advice. I've got some things that you might want to keep in mind. Uh, if you're a maker, it's going to be really important that you think of things that you want to build, because if you don't have any ideas of what you want to build, then it's going to be hard to come up with ideas for where you can find ingredients. You can go and you can just purchase ingredients from, let's say, the Celestial Bazaar. But I think you're going to find more success if you're searching for ingredients in strange places. Uh, at least it's going to help you be a bit more creative. Um, you're also going to want to have stabilizers and catalysts on hand uh, just in case things go wrong. Uh, and 
those are just going to be kind of general catch-alls for any process that you're working on, but you're going to want to have those uh, available to you. Uh, and as for GMs, you're going to want to keep your makers in mind because they will probably be on the lookout for things they can use as ingredients and things they can use as stabilizers and catalysts and materials. So once you know what your makers are trying to build, you're going to want to try and make some notes about like, hey, make sure I drop some hints or items here that would support whatever they're trying to put together in some way or another. Uh, and the other thing about this is that you're going to want to have ingredients that could be interpreted in a way that they would be able to use them. The lists of materials and items and ingredients that they have in the books, uh, they, they have a bunch of physical materials and ingredients, but they also have, um, I guess, more abstract uh, items and materials, uh, ingredients and materials. So concepts and ideas totally work for the making process. And some of this will be negotiated actively or passively between the, the GM and makers. Uh, when I I, did, I played a maker in a playtest game, but never actually got to make anything. It was a short playtest game. Uh, one thing I tried to do as a player was to constantly invent materials that happened to be wherever we were, whether it's a piece of a monster we had vanquished uh, or some material that was in a location that we were uh, exploring just to propel the narrative. I would just say, oh, well, look over here. We just found this particular type of obsidian. This could be very useful in the future. I didn't have anything in mind, um, but I wanted to keep the collection of materials uh, relevant. And even if after that particular session, the GM would say, uh, you know, that's that's actually not going to be useful at all. I want you to, you know, I want these particular things for what you're making. That was okay. Um, but it allowed it, it allowed the maker to have a moment in the in the narrative of the story to uh, involved in the collection of materials. So I would encourage GMs and makers to sort of work out how they're going to uh, divide that responsibility for creating new materials or imagining new materials, uh, how much room the individual players have for their makers to de just declare that they found new materials uh, and probably working out levels later or whether the GM wants to control that and to tell them every time there is a material in the environment uh, that might be relevant to them in the future. I would prefer to offload all of that onto the, the, the players. Uh, but mm -hmm. some GMs might want to maintain some control and there will necessarily be negotiations between them about what level material it is and when, when some material can be used for some making. Uh, but this is just an opportunity for makers to add to the story, especially given that a lot of what they do in terms of magic is done uh, outside of the main sessions. Um, so want to have a role in those main sessions for the makers and the collection role can be that role. Yeah. Um, and it's not so much about, <laughs> for me, it's not so much about controlling, you know, what they can find. It's more about prompting them so that they have, uh, a reminder that says, Hey, there's stuff out here for you to find, and I'm giving you some opportunities, but yeah, definitely take it into your own hands and run with it. Right. I, and I think GMs, even in almost all cases, will at least have to start by, by prompting. 
and saying, oh, by the way, uh, you know, maker Vizlay, uh, you notice these things while you're walking around here. And then between sessions say, you know, I made those up, but you rem- remind players, you're, you should feel free to whatever level you negotiate uh, to make those sorts of things up as we go along. And so you can just say that you found something in a location, or you can just say that you've got the, the gecko eye from vanquishing the giant gecko or whatever it may be. But uh, you can talk about how you want to involve the player in the creation of, of the setting. In this case, it's the creation of the ingredient list. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I've been talking to my maker about is a lot of the lower level stuff it's it's not terribly important how you find it or where you find it. But when we start talking about these huge and important items that you want to create eventually, that's when we're probably going to start talking about how are you going to find this level eight ingredient because it's not anywhere under this sun. What are you going to do about it? Right. And, and that becomes a new opportunity for... Uh, side either side quests in development mode or even parts of the core quest for the group mm-hmm. uh, uh, if they're getting high level ingredients and particularly power sources yeah so um thanks for listening to this really detailed discussion about how makers work hopefully it made some sense yeah, and, and if you've just listened to this in your car on the way to work or school or something like that, and it's baffling, that's okay. <laughs> if you read through the makers that the short chapter on the makers matrix uh, in the the way and are baffled, that's okay too. This takes a little time, and so I would say go back and forth uh, between the, maybe this discussion reading the book a couple of times, maybe even trying out the maker's matrix as sort of a, just a demonstration to see if you could, if you could go through the whole process to make your own level four item, just give it a try. And I think it's going to become easier as time goes on. Uh, remember that all of these systems have these sorts of uh, subjectivities and complications, and that's how the, this, the game is designed. A lot of this is supposed to be handled by the players because they only have one to deal with. So your maker can really concentrate on the maker's matrix and know how that works. Uh, while the weaver works on uh, weaving and the Vance is collecting spells, uh, and it's intended for each player to be concentrating on those subsystems. GMs need to be familiar with all of them, but it's probably going to take time for the GM to learn the ins and outs of all of these systems. And, and that's okay. Uh, Just work through the system and have fun, because that's what the game is all about. This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from DriveThruRPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Agonseer, that's at A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter. And you can find me at Tex underscore Red on Twitter. So please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes uh, or whichever uh, podcast app you are using. Uh, It really helps us out. Uh, We also like seeing ratings and reviews, whether they're good or bad. 
uh, or else just tell a friend about the show. That's another great way to get the word out and ha help people find us.